That's a great, uh, man, just about every song that we sang today has something to do with the message. It's just, just incredible how the Lord puts that together. But particularly that last song, is good. it's a great lead-in because uh, this, we are in a very strange passage, uh, or what we read last week and finishing up this week. Uh, today we're going to be able to see how God is perfect in all of his ways, even though his ways are, seem very strange to us. Uh, a lot of times, the things that he does uh, may initially be a, a shocker or like, you know, don't understand what's going on, but God is, is working and, and moving, and uh, today we're going to see that. We're going to see how God was moving, what he was doing, one of the things that God was doing, uh, but all of it was in response to, or as a part of, or uh, revealing, if you will, the character of God, the grace of God, and so last week we talked about, we saw how the grace of God was being manifested uh, in the new church, we just kind of, you know, the focus last week was the great grace of God was on all of them, how the great grace of God was on all of them. They were all experiencing the grace of God in, in the different ways, and we described grace as being, uh, rece- receiving something that we don't deserve. Uh, it's, mercy is not getting something that we do deserve, and grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. So we looked at the community of believers in the book of Acts, and we went back and kind of viewed some of the things that uh, we've already seen, and there were so many ways that God was demonstrating his grace through the Holy Spirit uh, that we've seen. The Jews who had been dispersed, separated uh, literally geographically, uh, but also separated by language, separated by different cultures that they were a part of, where they were living, they were all brought to this place by God for a unifying encounter Uh, with the Holy Spirit, and now they're all one mind and heart. That's getting something they don't deserve. They were dispersed because of their disobedience. They were dispersed because of their lack of uh, willingness to to be God's people and to follow uh, God, and so now they didn't deserve it, but God gave them this this unifying encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now they're of one mind, the Bible talks about last week, the the passage talked about one mind and one heart. Uh, They they are together together. in every way that you can imagine, walking out a brand new life in the Spirit. So the grace of God manifested to them. They also all wanted the same things. They all wanted to to take care of each other, which was strange because they were always so concerned about themselves, and the grace of God manifested itself in a way that he brought that kind of unity. The, the apostles we talked about also who were scattered at the death of Jesus or prior to his crucifixion, who take off when he's arrested, uh, who had the, the one that did kind of follow at a distance, Peter, uh, ends up denying Jesus, denying that he even knows him. They'd given up build, the building of community based on the life of Jesus that they had been a part of for three years. They just gave up on it. And now they're preaching. They're healing. They're suffering even, right, for the cause of Christ. Suffering for the community that they had given up on. That's the grace of God. And they were confronting religious leaders and risking everything when the, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and starts bringing this community together. And they were doing all of that. They were willing to risk everything for the cause of Christ and building a community that would eventually bless the nations and is already blessing the nations. All those who had gathered in Jerusalem from every nation were being blessed and so grace gave men who deserved to spend their whole lives hiding in weakness due to their actions and response to the 
crucifixion of Christ. Gave them a vibrant center stage ministry that was filled by the Holy Spirit and with supernatural power. And then finally last week, we looked at what happened when these people who were innocent, man, were walking with God in pure, spirit-filled community, had just been received Christ and the Holy Spirit was indwelling them. They were building this community based on the life of Jesus who wouldn't even uh, admit to knowing him after his arrest, now preaching, and the, the people that were being saved as a result of it became the target of Satan's servants, Ananias and Sapphira. And we saw last week that they were attempting to bring hypocrisy into the community. And they had the audacity to think that they would bring this type of pharisaical, crowd-pleasing, self-exalting kind of attention to themselves, grabbing, uh, taking a gift and putting it, laying it at the apostles' feet and acting like it was from a pure motive. And we saw last week, man, how beautiful it was that God, knowing the community would eventually, if, if he allowed it to happen, that their tendency, their natural tendency would be to allow this kind of yeast to make its way into the body. This yeast that says, just pretend like, as long as you act like everything's okay and there's nothing on the inside that's all right. Do what you do for the attention of people, of men. Build it, build it big for yourself. Make a name for yourself. He knew that that kind of pharisaical activity would would they they were susceptible to that all of us are and we've seen that in i've seen it in my own life as a minister trying to build something in the name of god for myself but god knowing that this community would eventually allow that kind of yeast to have its full effect displayed great grace again by taking the lives of this couple and burying Literally, the yeast of hypocrisy in the ground, in the graves of Ananias and Sapphira. And so today we're going to look at how, I believe, God, intend, God was multitasking in that moment. Not only was God protecting the congregation or the community, not only was he protecting them from this yeast of hypocrisy making its way into the church, into this pure congregation who was walking with God and committed to God, but he was also building character in all the people that saw and heard about what had happened. While he was revealing the beauty of his character through these multiple demonstrations that we talked about of grace and love, God was also building character in this new community, particularly the the character trait of fear. We'll talk about what that means in a second. But let's pick up in verse 11. Where we left off last week, we read this verse in the closing, but I want us to read it again to introduce today's topic on character building, and particularly as it relates to fear. I know that as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to be looking at more character that's being built in the lives of this community. So let's talk about fear. It's probably something, nothing more confusing for us uh, than the the topic of fear in Scripture. We understand fear in the Old Testament, but we, we have a hard time seeing fear as, a, as a, a part of our character as Christians, as believers, as a Christian community, that fear is a good thing and fear is, is not to be seen as terror for those of us who are believers. But there's different, different ideas or concepts that are tied to fear even in the New Testament. And we're going to see them all expressed in the passage this week and then next week also. 
So let's read it together. Acts chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. All right, so let's talk about this passage. So here's, here's what God is doing in a way of multitasking. He's showing us his character, yes, and he's protecting his people, yes, from this hypocrisy. But also, look at the results of what he does with Ananias and Sapphira. The scripture says that great fear came upon the whole church and those who heard of these things. And so this word fear in scripture, in this passage, means Awe and respect, or great awe and respect, profound awe and respect for deity. So they had this tremendous amount of respect and awe for the Holy Spirit that was created in the hearts, he says, of the whole church, all the community, and also uh, those who heard about Ananias and Sapphira. So I want us to take that and look at some of the characters in this story and see how they responded. What does fear are this great, profound degree of, of awe and respect for God. What does it look like in the lives of each of the characters, our categories of characters in Scripture? And I want us to find ourselves here. First of all, I want to look at the spiritual leaders, the apostles. I want to look at what happens in their lives and how they respond to this. So they're, they're, you know, they have their part. They have their role, obviously, in the... Uh, the preaching and teaching and the pronouncement of death upon Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, the, the, the apostles were a part of that. But the Bible says that, that the, the whole church, including the apostles, responded by having fear. This great respect, a profound respect for God, the awe of God. And so what does that look like in the lives of the spiritual leaders? Look at verse 12 again. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So here's what happens to the apostles. The, the, the work of the Holy Spirit with Ananias and Sapphira strengthened the character of the apostles by increasing what was already a great respect and awe of God. It just increased because, their relationship, because of their relationship with Jesus they were better prepared to be used. They, they responded to that moment with uh, Ananias and Sapphira and what the Holy Spirit did there with a, a deeper respect and fear of God. It's like, wow, it even takes it, you know, the Holy Spirit will even take it to this degree of actually protecting the church and taking care of the church. And, and there, was, there was this deeper respect and awe. It had nothing to do with running away from the Holy Spirit. They were running toward more activities of the Holy Spirit. More miracles were being performed. They began to do more of the impossible things. More God-exclusive activity was being done in the lives of the apostles. And that's what happens for a leader. You know, the, the apostles had had 
we talked about this in the beginning of the book of Acts. They were the ones that were being used to bring this movement and to speak and to preach and, and to, to uh, bring the miracles because they had had more experiences with God. They were better prepared uh, to be used by God. More experiences with God meant that they, were, they had a deeper openness to the impossible things, to the God-exclusive activity. And this is something, by the way, that Jesus prayed for. Jesus had prepared them when, when they were on the earth. You know, they were the ones that got to walk with Jesus every day for three years. They got to hear all the, the explanations of, of the scriptures that Jesus had given. They were the ones that got to uh, see the miracles all firsthand and to know the heart of, of Jesus. And so they recognized the Holy Spirit who's living inside of them. They're, they're more quick to understand that this is from the Holy Spirit, where the average Joe maybe wouldn't have understood that the Holy Spirit was wanting to kill Ananias and Sapphira and protect the church. These guys understood that. And, and when, they, when, he, when this event happened, it just opened them up to even more impossible activity. So they were watching for impossible things. They were watching for the Holy Spirit to lead them to do things that they couldn't do. Look at what Jesus prayed for right before his crucifixion in John 17. I think this is so incredible. Verses 6 through 13, he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And he's talking about his disciples. He says, now they know that everything you have given to me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Here's, here's the word. Listen to this. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, that not one of them may be lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Here's what Jesus said. Father, I'm coming to you, so you keep them now in your name. You keep them and take care of them, protect them. You keep them in your word. And that's what's going on here with the disciples. Jesus started this work uh, while the disciples were with him those three years in ministry. He started the work by giving them everything that God gave him to give them. And now he's, God is keeping them by his Holy Spirit. He is continuing what Jesus started. So the apostles are ready for that. They're leaders, man. They're ready to walk in this. They were the ones who were used by the Holy Spirit in announcing or pronouncing the death of Ananias and Sapphira. And they immediately understood that this was the work of the Holy Spirit. So their fear did not resemble terror at all, but simply a strengthening of their respect and awe for the Holy Spirit, which ultimately resulted in immediate continuation of the working of more signs and wonders. So church, I just want to Think about that for a second. In a biblical community like ours and theirs, 
There's an opportunity for this type of character to be built in our lives. It's not limited to the elders of this church. It's not limited to life group leaders. It's not limited to the worship team. It's not limited to those who have been Christians for a number of years. It's not limited to those who are old and have lived a lot of life like me and Doug. It's not limited, period. This kind of commitment to God, being a leader who's had multiple encounters with God, it's all it is. The Holy Spirit is ready to start, has already started to build this type of character into you, this type of fear, this, this fear that respects the work, the impossible things of the Holy Spirit, the work, respects the work of the Holy Spirit. We're not afraid of it. He's already started building that into your life by just giving you an openness to walking in it, to an openness to, to realizing the Holy Spirit can actually speak to you and guide you and give you things to do that may be outside of what is logical and normal. And so the only question is, are you ready? Listen, church, are you ready to expedite the process? It's not, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be at a certain place. You don't have to wait another 10 years. You don't have to wait till you're in your 50s to be able to understand these things and to walk with God in this way and be this kind of leader? Are you, are you ready now to expedite the process just by yielding yourself to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Y'all with me? That's the only question you need to ask. There's a deeper level of resolve, I think, that we need as a church. I'm glad we're small today. <laughs> you know, small, there, there's... It, it, there's, within a church, there's a small group. And now I'm not saying the ones that aren't here aren't this group. But I'm glad we're small because it doesn't take a whole church. It's not going to be the whole church that walks in this kind of leadership, probably. I wish it would be. Maybe one day it will. But we need a deeper level of resolve. And the question that I have for you today is, uh, will you, do you have in your heart, first of all, a desire for a deeper resolve to walk with God through life, to abide in Him, to spend time with God, to, to break out of all the excuses of why we can't be alone with God and pursue God and to get the old habits out of our life. It's going to take a long time to do that, longer for some than others. But, it, but that's where it is. It's abiding in Christ. These disciples had three years of abiding with Christ, and this is, they were abiding meant moment by moment, every day, all day, Walking with God. We need, at the Gathering Place West, I believe, more people who will actively pursue this type of character. And then the rest of the community, which maybe some of you will be able to see what it looks like in, in the lives of people in this body. These, this, these, the rest of the community in the, in the book of Acts, we'll look at in a second. The rest of the community of believers were able to look at the apostles and say, that's what it looks like when someone is, has a resolve to walk with Jesus and to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how they heard the, the Holy Spirit tell them that Ananias was going to die and they pronounced that and he died, but I can get there. I can be that person. I, my prayer today is that everybody would desire this level of commitment to the Lord. That if you find it in your heart to do that, that you will 
do the things necessary, the simple things necessary, to just walk through life with Christ, the thing that will bring, like he said in this passage, the thing that will bring joy, the joy of Christ in your life. It will only be for your good if you would commit to that. So the rest of the community needs to see what this type of respect and all looks like, and it happens next in our text. Look at verse, at just B of verse 12, second part of verse 12, and we see the fear in the lives of the community, the rest of the community of the believers. Look at what it says. And we'll see some other expressions of it. But it says this. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. So here's what fear did for the body of believers who all possessed the Holy Spirit. This is just the people that had, all of those that had possessed the Holy Spirit and were, remember, they all, so far, everybody in, in, our, uh, in the book of Acts, everybody that has responded to the Holy Spirit has also joined the community. And they are practicing the same things because the Holy Spirit is leading them to share all things in common and to meet together in homes and to be committed to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread and fellowship. They're all doing these things together. They're all in community together. And so this doesn't, this fear, our respect, a deeper cause of respect and awe for, for the Holy Spirit drew them together. This crazy event of people dying who gave to the church, you know, this crazy event drew them together. It didn't send them running in opposite directions. Notice they weren't running from the Holy Spirit. They were running to Him. This fear was, again, it wasn't terror. It was respect and awe. They may have been surprised, I think they probably were, by the work of the Holy Spirit in the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Even shocked, but they knew that it was the Holy Spirit's work. How did they know? Two reasons. Number one, the Holy Spirit was in them. Number two, because the apostles were doing the work. So they knew it came from the Holy Spirit. So it only increased, again, their respect and awe for the Holy Spirit and their desire to celebrate His activity in their lives. So the question I have for us in this is, how do we respond to events that God allows or brings about that are outside of our comfort zone? I mean, we've all experienced those when something unexpected happens. Like certainly the world and country that we live in is in chaos. You know, there's a lot of chaos going on around us, uh, horrible events that happen almost daily that we see and experience. And when we seek the Holy Spirit in these events and, we, uh, and that we don't necessarily understand or that we're shocked by, those who are in community with the Holy Spirit will ultimately respond in moving toward God in, in response to it, not away from God. When these terrible events happen, sometimes even in your personal life, when you have something happening in your personal life, some event that's, that shocks you, God, why did you let this happen might be your question. But quickly, the Holy Spirit says, there's a reason behind it. Quickly, we, we recognize the Holy Spirit is moving and working as believers, as a part of the community. That's what happens. And in this case, the people had committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so when Peter pronounced judgment and, the, and Ananias and Sapphira died, they were aware that God was doing the work. And so maybe the process, I, I, I just want to play this out. Maybe this is what it looked like. So everybody is 
according to the scripture, bringing goods and money, and they're laying them at the apostles' feet. Everybody's doing it. Here comes Barnabas, you know, Joseph. He lays this money that he sold his piece of property for. He lays it at the feet of the apostles. a sacrificial gift. Everybody recognizes. And Ananias and Sapphira come in. And I believe immediately. You ever get that sense that something's going, something's not right in somebody? You know, like they're doing the right things maybe, but it feels like something's not right about it? I think the Holy Spirit gives us that. And I don't believe it was, it was, I think everybody that was there already sensed that something was up. I mean, they knew Ananias and Sapphira were wealthy people. It was strange enough for them to be coming in and giving something. So maybe they wondered if they could really have an authentic experience, if, if Ananias and Sapphira really had an authentic experience with God or not. And the Holy Spirit says that something's not right. And so then Peter addresses the problem, and the Holy Spirit completes the work. So all those believers that knew something was up, felt something was up, Holy Spirit alerted them to the fact. Peter speaks it, and there's no contradiction in their spirits about what's going on, that the church is being protected, and the Holy Spirit completes his work. And so the believers process all these events, and instead of running away, they begin to say the same thing. God is protecting the body from counterfeits. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's taking care of us. The thing the Holy Spirit was speaking to us is real. And, and the apostles were strong enough to recognize it in a way to speak to it, to address the problem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He loves us. And he's going to take care of our community and keep our community pure. We don't have to worry about it. Just like we celebrated last week when we talked about how God has protected this little community from people coming in and disrupting what the Lord is doing. He's just protected us. And he hadn't killed anybody yet, but he has protected us. Man, that, that's a cause. None of us in this body feel bad about that. We all feel good about that. We all feel the bless, that's a blessing from God. And so the people that were believers in the community had a deeper respect and awe for the Holy Spirit. And they can't wait to be together to celebrate and talk about what God did. Man, what about Ananias and Sapphira? God's taking care of us. And they all wanted to get together. So they're drawn into community in Solomon's portico, which is part of the temple. And maybe you don't feel like you are at the place of the leaders where you've had enough experiences with God to be used by the Holy Spirit yet in unusual types of circumstances like this. Maybe you don't feel like you're the ones that can speak the truth or the one that can speak the truth in the midst of hypocrisy yet but all of us can seek the holy spirit for his interpretation of chaotic events in life all of us can seek the holy spirit for what is he doing in the world what is my role in response to that and allow god to start building character in us to build a deeper sense of awe and respect then to draw us all together with the same interpretation and support for one another and then ultimately to celebrate what the Lord is doing in our body. Even in the hard circumstances. And Bethany's not here today. Uh, but, you know, we th think of how her cancer is drawing us together. It's drawing all of us to ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. And it's drawing all of us to, to gain the benefit of the same interpretation and 
support for her and support for one another in what God is saying and doing, what the Holy, how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about that. And we celebrate together. It's weird that you can celebrate an event like cancer in someone's life, but we do. And so that's how the body responds. So you have the leader's response in fear, and their fear is awe and respect, and then you have the body's response, and their response is awe and respect. But then let's look at one other, and that is fear in the lives of other would-be hypocrites, right? Ananias and Sapphira were about to take advantage of, they thought, of this crowd of people who were all about paying attention to people who were bringing big gifts and laying them at the apostles' feet. And so Ananias and Sapphira come in, and don't you know that there's plenty of other wealthy people in town, plenty of other people who like to have the attention of folks, who like to grab the ear and speak into the lives of people, uh, that the Pharisees, who are constantly wanting to do that, and teachers of the law, religious leaders were thinking, how can we grab all of that attention for ourselves? And so there were those kinds of hypocrites, but look at what Scripture says in verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. So the word got out about this new community. The news of death, of the death of Ananias and Sapphira made its way to the ears of all the other religious people who were tempted to join the community for self-serving reasons, right? But they thought better. None of them dared, the Scripture says, join them. So those who were not filled with the Holy Spirit, those who didn't have an authentic personal encounter with Jesus, were, feared, were also feared, filled with fear. But their fear was different. Their fear was the kind of respect and awe that resulted in terror. They wouldn't dare now come into that congregation, that community of believers and act like everything's okay, like they had an authentic relationship with Christ and that they were giving a gift or that they would come in and do something to, get, to draw attention to themselves. And there's a good reason for those who have rejected the Holy Spirit to live their lives in fear of trying to bring any kind of self-serving religion now into God's community. They understood that the power of the Holy Spirit could drop them dead in their tracks. But they also chose to live their lives, continue to live their lives outside of community. It's not that they weren't invited into community. It's that they made a choice. We're going to continue to live this lifestyle, but we're not going to dare try to live it and act like we're part of that community. We're going to live in a separate community. And that's what happens in spirit-filled community. Look, as long as we're living with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, that in itself is going to take care of all those people who want to come in and do something different. That's going to take care of those people who have certain patterns they want to follow or programs or religious denominational traditions or whatever theological um, focuses and doctrinal focuses. It's going to take care of that. If we just walk in the Spirit as a community, if we, and the Holy Spirit is going to start doing some strange enough things around here that people are going to walk out the door. Those people are weird. And we'll get labeled. 
Don't you think that they weren't labeled? But here's, that's a good thing. There was a time in my life, most of my ministry, where I, I wanted to do anything I could to help those people see, no, we're like you. Just come be with us. So we could fill the church full of uh, people. Bill, you know what that's like. Being in a church where we're trying to just draw people, as many as we can, so we don't offend anybody and we can't live the way that we feel like we should live. As a pastor, you know that. Until a gathering place, I never was able to just be myself and be God's. And that be enough. And it is now. And it is for you. But that separates communities. All right? Just because someone says that they're a Christian, and, and, and maybe they are a Christian even, but just because someone says they're a Christian or says that they want to be a part of this community doesn't mean they should be or they really are a part of the community. A biblical community are people that are drawn together by the Holy Spirit to walk in His ways. And when the Holy Spirit does something weird, it's good because it sends people who want to be out of this community, they wouldn't dare come in. It sends them in the right direction. They'll go be a part of another community. So that, that, was, a, that was a tremendous uh, blessing of the Lord. So he's building this characteristic of fear in the lives of everyone who saw what he did. Even those that were outside the community were affected by it. Now, I want to close with this. This series is a community that blesses. Okay, that's, our, that's what we're talking about this year. What does it look like to be a community that blesses? And in every one of these stories that we've told so far, there's been a result that was a blessing. And I want us to look at the blessing. Look in verses 14 to 16 again. Let me read those and, and we'll close out. And more than ever, believers were added to the, num- uh, added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. All right, so here he says, in reference to everything we've heard so far, all these great works of God and all these great responses of the 3,000 and then the 5,000 and daily being added to their number, those that were being saved, we've already read all of that. And he makes this statement, and now more than ever, more than all of that now, in response to the, the, the addition of awe and respect that was given. In, that, that caused a lot of people to say, we don't want to be a part of what you're doing. But the positive side of that was, even though this whole group decided we, won't, we wouldn't dare come into to this community now, is that more than ever, more than the three, more than the five, more than just as it's been described, men, 3,000 men, 5,000 men. Now they're adding to that number also. They're saying multitudes of men and women. They're, they want us to know there's women coming in too, right? Women were, you know, not considered a lot of times in the New Testament. There were women coming, but he wants us to know at this point women are coming. And also invalids are coming. People with unclean spirits are coming into the community as a result of God killing Ananias and Sapphira. Y'all getting that? Listen, that's the blessing. That's the blessing of a community saying, no, it's okay, you don't have to be afraid of him. If you're one of his, everything's going to be all right. 
That's, a, that's just these people are coming, are going out. The story's being told, and everybody's saying, no, look, see, we're still, we're still in with God. And he, he, he takes care of his own, and he was protecting us when he did what he did with Ananias and Sapphira. Don't you want to come be a part of a community where God takes care of you, where God protects you, where God provides for you? And, we, and he, through all of us, we provide for one another, and we do community with each other. God is still for us. In the face of the fear that's being panic that's being spread to everyone who is not a part of the community. People are starting to question, should we, should we try to do good things, spiritual things to be a part of this group? No. Should we just surrender our lives to be a part of this community? Surrender our lives to, to God, to Christ, believe what they teach, and be a part of the community? Yes, let's do that. So more than ever, all these people are coming in. This community was bringing multitudes to the Lord. And, by the way, it goes on outside of Jerusalem now and into the surrounding towns. Now we're getting outside of the walls of Jerusalem and people from the surrounding towns are coming in. And I love this also. By the way, the invalids, those that they were bringing outside the doors of their houses, that was the only place they could have been healed because they can't come into Solomon's portico because they were, they were sick. They can't go into the temple. So in order for them to be healed, they had to be brought out into the street. And so these people were so excited. They were going out and bringing these people out, and they were all coming in to the community of, of faith. And so I want to close with that today, guys. Listen, we need to embrace what God has called us to do. Yeah, we need to deepen our resolve to walk in the the will of God, to pursue the will of God with everything we have. There's no shortcut to this movement of God happening. If there's going to be an explosive move of God, it's going to be when you become the leader. When you decide, I'm going after God so that I can know him in such a way that I'm not confused about the work of God in the world that I can see the good in every event that happens in the world, that regardless of the circumstance, the circumstances don't speak. There's a Holy Spirit that speaks in the middle of a circumstance to tell me the truth. That when everybody else is looking at what's going on and you have a whole group of people that are saying, we hate God, look at what he allowed to happen, and they choose their community to walk in over here, that we're also saying, but look, God is redeeming it. Let me show you what he's doing. If you're one of his, he, he works all these things together for good. And it deepens our respect and our awe of God. I hope that makes sense for you because we have a world that needs to understand that. They need to see it. The people around us are starving for this information. In the chaotic world that we live in, all the stuff that's going on, they want to blame God rather than, than join God. And they don't have a good perspective. And the only ones that can do that is us when we get a perspective. Right now, how do you handle chaotic events in your life? Do you agree with the people of the world? When things go awry, are you, are you looking at, the, at those events and saying, God, where, where are you? God, how could you let this happen? Or... Are you, are you being drawn in to the Holy Spirit and then into the body to come and flesh this out? You know, Satan wants those events to keep us out of the Word, keep us away from prayer, keep us out of personal time with God, keep us out of pursuing the will of God, keep us away from community, away from life groups, away from church services when those bad things happen in your life. And he'll use everything he can, guilt, 
whatever. You're a bad person. That's why these things are happening. All the lies that Satan tells. Stay away, stay away. That's not what your heart tells you to do if you're a part of the community of Christ. Come in, come in. Let's let our hearts be filled with awe. Let's deepen, allow these events to deepen our respect for a God who is sovereign and over all and taking care of all and is building character, tempting to build character in your life. Let him build character in you. Spend time, listen to him, let him speak. All right, let's pray. Father, we desperately want to be a community that blesses. We, want, we know this is your will for us. And God, it's, uh, the message for this body has not gotten any more complicated. We just need to do our ABCs. We just need to do our ABCs. It's simple. Father, you have, you have taught us that. We need to abide in you so that we can bless others. And we need to commit to community. Lord, your spirit is drawing us in. And, and the enemy is constantly putting in our ears reasons why we shouldn't be together. And Father, we see in our passage today that this group of believers, everyone who was a part of the community, was all together with a deeper respect and awe of who you were and of your Holy Spirit's work. Do that in our hearts. God, give, me, give us leaders in this congregation. Make me a leader and give us more leaders who will be determined to pursue you, to seek you out in decisions that they're making in life and allow you to show yourself strong in their lives, to release themselves and surrender themselves to you. And ultimately, God, we pray that we would be the kind of community that brings people, multitudes of men and women and invalids and those with unclean spirits into your community. God, do you work in us, God, in order for that kind of fruit to come out of us. And so we commit ourselves to you today and we worship you, God, for being a God that loves us enough to take care of us, to guide us, and then to multitask, to build in us the kind of character we need to be your children and your servants in the world. In Jesus' name.